Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is JT here with the JT and Big O Show. Uh, I'm joined again by Ryan Big O Regan. Hi, how you doing? And this week we are joined by a special guest, Scotch Churchin. Hello, everybody. How we doing? Our that first is, ever guest, yes. might I want to add. Puts this. A little, yeah, puts a little pressure on me on this one, I gotta say. Well, I mean, no, don't think of it as pressure. Think of it as, like, if you fuck up, everyone else is better for it later on. Okay. So, you know, you can pretty much do whatever the hell so you I'm, want. So I'm the crappy warm-up act, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay, yeah, cool. You're, you're the low-level comedian that Chris Rock is coming for at another date. You're, you're saying the standard everyone else will succeed. Say, so who's from out of town? We what's, need a, what's a girl like you doing in a nice place like this? You're a strong basis. You know, you're a <laughs> cornerstone. Now, when I first met you, you said you actually used to do some stand-up comedy, correct? I've done a little bit. I hate, yeah. I, I hate stand-up. Yeah, stand-up. You know, it's funny. The, the first time I ever did stand-up was at a place over in Bloomfield. It was an open mic night. And this is, a, unfortunately, this is sadly a very true story. Uh, I brought a couple people for moral support because you, you kind of have to. You're nervous. You, you got your stick and everything. Bringers. What's that? Bringers. Yeah, and I the one of the people that we brought with me, that I brought with me had eight 16 ounce blue moons. He sure. drank a literal gallon of blue moon. So they had a lot of faith in you. Yes, and um, <laughs> he trolled me. He heckled me. Your own your own my, person. My own moral support <laughs> heckled me on stage on my own stand up bit. And then oh late and then later on mooned the audience. Oh god. Yeah. What um, was it a blue moon? Yeah, it kinda was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, just um, as long as you know it stays in character. But it was it was it, oh my god, I was mortified. And it was it was a terrible night. It was it, you know, I was not strong in some of the stuff that I had. And um like you said, you know, you set the bar low, everything can only improve from there. <laughs> but uh, no, I always felt weird. I feel more natural in something like this because I can just kibitz, I can talk about stuff. But when I'm doing stand up, it's kind of like, all right, asshole, I've had a shitty day. <laughs> My boss yelled at me, you know, I had a ton of work. Dickhead, make me laugh and go. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. I, I think the problem that I've seen, uh, I've only done stand-up once. I don't even really count it because it was like there was an open mic night. I got dragged by some girl on a date, and she wanted to do uh, open uh, uh, the open mic night, and I just joined in. But from what I've I can only se- imagine which girl that was. Uh, from what I've seen, it's just it's all comedians at open mm-hmm. mic night. So you look at table to table, and they're just there working on their bits mm-hmm. as someone else is on the stage doing their bit, and it's like. Not no stealing the material, listening. though. Yeah. That's, that's essentially it. <laughs> Not I mean, stealing the material. They, they will sure. be the worst critics that you have outside of yourself. Yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity, now you've tried it once. How many times have you gone up? Half a dozen. Half a dozen? All right, so that uh, that actually makes me the most experienced stand-up comic in this room, which is not saying much, personally. But uh, I, I've got a, definitely some uh, double digits under my belt, uh, working with other comics from like back when I started up in the Stress Factory. That was my first <laughs> open mic. Uh, yeah, so I, was, I know I still talk to some of those people, uh, guys like Craig, Steve, uh, Stephen Buddha. Um, you know, I, I was there when Pete Davidson first started up. You know, when he was just a seventeen-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I I saw Ralph. Uh, who who's the a comedian passed away recently? Uh, Ralphie or Ralphie May? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I met him before. I guess he got really big because he was. Well, there. I mean, let, let's face it, Ralphie May was always kind of big, but <laughs> you know what I meant. I know, but I mean, to, to play homage to someone, you gotta like give them a jab sometimes. But you know, it, it was one of those things where it's like you start off with certain comics, and everyone's trying to get their time. And then on an open mic, you'll have like about like thirty-five people at most, all trying to get their five minutes. And then that's not even including the possibility that you have somebody like say a, a Rich Voss mm-hmm. at Stress Factory just walk in, do twenty-five minutes of new material because hey, Vinny's gonna let him. And then that pushes everyone back. And I've been the last of the 35 people having to go up on stage when there's like maybe two people left still drinking. They're still trying to close the building down. Everyone else has already left. And I'm like, well, so about that weather. You know, it's like when you've got like almost nothing to work with. The, the key I was always taught, and this was something that was taught to me by, uh, ironically, Bonnie McFarlane, who was Rich Ross's wife. She always said, fuck the audience. And it's very true, mm. you know. You you cannot play to the audience. You cannot do jokes based upon what you think they want to hear. You have to do your material regardless of what they mm. will think, because especially when you're starting off, it's going to be a bringer show. They're going to come and either cheer for your friends or, in your case, you know, jeer you. <laughs> and 
it's, it's going to be biased. So you really can't rely on that. You can only go up and do what you want to do and what you want to say, and the audience will find you. And take, I think take that, it or leave it kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that's true with anything, whether it be you know stand up, podcast, movies, music. The audience finds you. You can't tailor yourself to the audience because the man you do that, you almost have no identity. Hmm. Do you know on uh, Netflix uh, Jerry Fe- Seinfeld's last comedy special mm-hmm. uh, just hit a new big high, mm-hmm. like everyone's watching it again. I just realized, like at the very beginning of his special, someone shouts "Baba Booey" from the audience. And mm-hmm. again, as you were saying, you can't you can't pay attention to the audience. You got to say "fuck it" to the audience. Mm-hmm. Jerry Seinfeld didn't even acknowledge it. He just yeah, boom, right? Yeah, forward. no, he's gonna. Do, well, I mean, it's Jerry Seinfeld. He he has the power mm-hmm. to do whatever the fuck Although, he wants. He could have shot that guy dead to rights in his face. <laughs> continued on with the rest of the set. What is the up with airline peanuts? <laughs> what? what? Yes, exactly. No one would have batted an eye because it's Seinfeld. And you it's know? funny because if you watch uh, Eddie Murphy Delirious, he loses it at one point. When someone basically tells him like take your pants off or something, yeah, yeah, see, he, he's, he's so just, flabbergasted. He's done, you know, he, he he loses it, so he breaks it at that point. Uh-huh. So it probably does happen. I don't think. Well, he was never really a stand-up. He he did two shows, but mm. did, well, he did two big shows. Obviously, he did a lot more stand-up uh, outside of the work he was doing in SNL. That's mm-hmm. how he got that sort of stuff. Was it? I, I didn't know he, he was did, actually... Yeah, he, I think he did some stuff on the side there. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, back in those days, it wasn't so much someone who was just, you know, someone from Upright Citizens Brigade. It, you know, you had to be somebody who had stand-up talent. You had to be able to be on set by yourself because they only had so few cast members to work with. So there was a lot of stuff that you were doing on SNL where it was probably just you and only you, maybe one other person, maybe the host. But you had to be able to focus on yourself. So they really looked for people that had that stand-up prowess. Now, not so much. You don't even have to worry about that anymore. Uh, speaking of Saturday Night Live, uh, did anyone recently watch the uh, special uh, based on one of the creators of National Lampoon? Uh, uh, yeah, a uh, stupid and futile gesture. Yes, <laughs> I, uh, I thought it was uh, great. And I just, but you know, I just remember there was a part in there about Saturday Night Live because mm-hmm. really Saturday Night Live was just someone stealing all the material from National Lampoon, mm-hmm. including all the people from their radio show. Yeah, no, it, it lynched on them, and of course, Lauren tried to get uh, everybody possible because that was the biggest thing in comedy at that time before really a lot was being shown on television, even if it was late night. And people broke in at that point. They knew, you know, they knew the systems, they knew what worked, they knew what didn't work. Exactly. It was pretty much just taking everything off radio, putting it on television. That's all it was. It was a transference as opposed to any, any kind of upgrade. Well, Whose Line was the same way mm-hmm. in Britain. It was started out as a radio show and then became the TV show. And then there was a changeover in the cast a little bit. Ryan Stiles came in, Colin yeah. Locker came in, and they've been there since 1991. Well, that's the thing. It's like they just held over from the original show, and Drew yeah. Carey was the only one who was like, you know, let's try this again. Yeah. But the British one went on for quite some time. Seven seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, and I liked the British one because Clive Anderson was really strong with that. And But it's funny because you look at a lot of the people who were on the American one, they started on the British one. Uh-huh. So Greg Proops was over there. Chip, uh, Chip Eston was over there. Uh, Brad Sherwood, all the ones that you saw on the American one started on the British one. The only one that the American one really made a star was Wayne Brady. That was about it. No, he did a couple episodes in the British one too, I think. Well, he was on the British one? I believe he did like two episodes, yes. Um, but he wasn't like a mainstay or no, anything no, like that. No, no, that, that was Ryan and Colin. Yeah, yeah. And also Mike McShane was a regular on the British one too. He played uh, Friar Tuck and uh, Prince... Robin oh, the Hood one Prince with the mole. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the bigger, yeah. He played uh, Friar Tuck and uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He was the, the, the doctor guy in Office Space. He he, uh, he, it just, the he he was the professor on Richie Rich. Yes, he, sadly that's the only thing I and remember. He was, <laughs> and he was phenomenal because he was great at uh, coming up with songs on the fly. Mm-hmm. They would always have him do the same stuff like Wayne Brady would do and everything, but he was that guy. But he got a lot of notoriety from doing that. And it's funny because you look at the, you know Friar Tuck, and he would just come out and just belt out a blues song about you know minivans or whatever they had to do, and just boom, he just nailed it. To my day, though, one of my favorite uh, jokes from there. Remember scenes from a hat? Mm-hmm. Yes. This was from the British version. Uh, one of the scenes was uh, the joy of riding elephant, or joy of riding elephants. Okay. And when comedian comes out and goes, "Joy, get off that elephant." <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds I love about, yeah. it. Um, now, Scott, uh, speaking of uh, coming outside of comedy, uh, now the reason we have you on the show today is because you. Outside of all your acting and stunt work, which is you know a very good uh, resume that you very have. Very thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, you also have another podcast. You have your own podcast that you actually do with someone else in this room, who is not me. 
Yes, and paid sponsorship brought to you by JT and I mean, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, JT and I have a podcast through Kevin Smith's people, uh, Ming Chen and Mike Zapsick from AMZ's Comic Book Men, uh, called uh, Film Yap. Yap, yes. by the way, is capitalized. It's also short for Get Another Podcast. Because mm-hmm. Lord knows there's enough podcasts when it comes to film and movie and TV shows and everything. <coughs> yeah. So, hence yes. we are Film Yap. Um, and strangely enough, we talk more about video games. My than God, it's, it's sports. Films. Are, I don't even watch sports. And film I ends talk up being so like, much sports. Film ends up being like twenty percent of the show. But you know what? We just kind of just make it up as we go a little bit. And um, yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun. I've always wanted to kind of do something like that. Uh, the thing got approached to me. A couple, you know, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, we had the opportunity, and I was like, you know what? I always wanted to do something like that anyway. Um, the acting stuff is fun. It's good. But I wanted to try something a little different. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've got we've had uh, first episode. We had Catherine Curtin on mm-hmm. uh, from Ar- played Wanda Bell from Orange is the New Black. Uh, played Dustin's mom in Stranger Things on Insecure. Mm-hmm. Bunch of other stuff there. Uh, so we've had some good guests coming on. Uh, right now we have uh, James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, coming on March fifth. So which I am jealous of. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny that came about because he's a huge fan of comic book men. Mm-hmm. He loves Ming. He loves Mike. He doesn't really know them that well, so he might be using it as a marketing opportunity to network himself. I don't care. I'm happy with that. Yeah, we'll probably. take it. Yeah, exactly. You take you know you take what you, what's offered here. Uh, but we've uh, yeah we've had a lot of fun with it. See, yeah. I've, I've worked with I've worked with people that's worked with him. I've never actually met him. James. Yeah, uh, the, the the most I've ever done is uh, I've obviously worked with some of the people at uh, Mixed Nuts Productions, Cinemassacre, all those uh, Philly outlets that he's usually yeah. associated mm-hmm. with. I've done stuff. I'm with... embarrassed to tell you how I first met James. Oh no no, JT too. I was just gonna say I, I worked uh, with Uncle Yo though. We don't we're not we don't talk too much so yeah, <laughs> not much related. I met James because him him Mike and his wife I think April, uh, they were at a, they were at uh, Digital Press. In Clifton. Okay. They were doing like an autograph signing and everything. And the line was three blocks long. On, and I waited online for hours, literally, to hand him my acting resume, which had nothing on it because I had just started in the industry because he was doing the AVGN movie. Oh, that's right. And yeah, I, I, it, that. it had, my, my resume had nothing on it. I waited three hours online to give it to Mike Matei. And that is how I met them for the first time. <laughs> you, know, you know, and it's funny because I don't even know if James remembers that because we've stayed in touch on other stuff. But I feel the need to kind of bring that up at some point. It's like, by the way, I met you when you were there. Eh, that's not bad. I, I mean, I, I once gave my resume to Brody Stevens. Okay. No, it's, it's funny how you meet people in this industry and just get to know people. Oh, yeah. Because everybody knows somebody. And that's the beautiful thing. Every connection you make opens up a new possible network. You know, James can, ironically enough, Nostalgia Critic, James and, you know, and uh, Doug Walker have worked together on a bunch of stuff, uh, pretending to have a huge rivalry and then kind of just, you know, blending together. Nerd! Nerd! <laughs> but uh, Tamara from Nostalgia Critic, she has a film called Think Twice. That premiered, or had one of its premieres at the Hang On To Your Shorts Film Festival, uh-huh. run by Chris Cohen. Mm-hmm. Chris also indirectly is the reason we have the podcast that we've got now, or very directly, I should say, not indirectly. But Tamara was there. And that's how I met Tamara. Because she came out from Chicago to support this film that premiered there. Nice. Now, uh, I'm the lead technician for Hang On To Your Shorts. And I make the joke like, yeah, I download your films, but I don't watch them. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I have to kind of skim through them, make sure they're good. And I'm going through Think Twice, and I'm like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, holy shit. uh, I know her. She's a part of the Nostalgia Critic. I watch that every week. Uh, but she's not going to come to the film festival. There's no chance she's going to be there. And then, then, yeah, she she showed up there in Jersey with us. Yeah. Well, I talked to Chris. I said, you know, do you know who this is? She's like, no. And and I, I kind of explained like the, part of this and this. And I said, well, the director's here. She's not here. I was like, all right, fine. I can't expect yeah, it. That, that's Direct, a... I get that. And then I turn a corner and there she is. Tamara? <laughs> <Like, laughs> <laughs> you know? So, um, but I had, it's funny. I had a, this is going to sound really weird. I've been fortunate to have to meet and have conversations with some of the, arguably some of the biggest people in this industry. You know, Hugh Jackman's one of the nicest people on the planet. Adam Sandler's one of the nicest people on the planet. But you give me a YouTuber, and I pee on myself like a little four-year-old girl. No, I, I'm the exact same way. Unfortunately, like... My wife um, doesn't get it either. She doesn't, she doesn't <laughs> understand it at all. Uh, I go, I work... I've been working Hang On To Your Shorts since it was called the Jersey Shore Short Film Festival uh, oh, yeah. five, yes. six years ago. Um, Back when and, I was in it. 
And CJ brings in so many famous people, and you know they'll they'll pass me, and CJ will come up like, "Hey, didn't you see so and so?" I'm like, "Who?" <laughs> but no, like uh, that guy from that thing. <laughs> but you give me nostalgia critic, you give me James Rolfe, you give me H two O Delirious mm-hmm. or Markiplier, any of them. Like I'll know who they am, and I'll be like, "Oh my yeah. god, you're biggest fan." You know, I have no problem. <laughs> I would love if I got the game drums up. You know, yeah. we, especially because of the fact Ego Raptor. Yeah. Well, actually, for me, we Dan. Oh, his yeah. jersey. Yeah. Dan's jersey. We're closer in age together, you know, and he makes references on the show to a lot of things. I mean, he did he did one where he talked about the snowstorm in 96. He talked about interning at DHA or Mountain Creek or Action really? Park. All these things that you, you know, because I think I think he's from Springfield. Uh, or somewhere in that area. He's very close to there. Not Springfield, but I think a little bit like, more central. Like, okay, like further further south. But yeah, he's, he's, he's more like around Bridgewater, I believe. Okay, but he's local-ish. And it's funny because it has that Jersey connection to me. You know, where he talks about these things, you know, the, the, the winter of 96 and that snowstorm. I remember that snowstorm. As because, do I. Because I was working a job that worked 24-7, 365. I, there was no way I could call out. So we had I could to, imagine working for a job like that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. It's it's tougher than you realize. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea what it is. No, but it was funny because my father had we had to dig the car out, and then my father ended up driving me in that day, uh, and it was only for like Waldorf to Hackensack. It wasn't that bad, but it was still. I remember that snowstorm, and I remember cleaning up the neighbor's car and everything, and it was just, it was not enjoyable. I, I was luckily uh, we're a few years different in age, and uh, I was still. By in the way, I'm a full decade older. Let's just call <laughs> it what it is here. I, I was being nice. Uh, I remember building a fort. You know how I built mm-hmm. the fort? I dug a hole. Yeah, okay. That's how I built my fort. That that was a lot of snow. Actually, you know what happened that weekend? Actually, a little bit of trivia. Uh, what show premiered that weekend of the snowstorm? In '96. Yeah. It's it's off the air now, but it lasted for a good ten to fifteen seasons on Fox. I should ten to fifteen seasons on Fox. Matt, That's it. you're so oh, crazy. Okay, yeah. Mad TV. Yeah. Oh, it premiered that weekend with that Orlando Jones guy. <laughs> yes, and that Phil Lamar person who did some strange voices. I don't know what else he does. Yeah, he did Sam- yeah, he did Samurai Jack and some other stuff there. Like, you know, this is just one of those voices that's always synonymous. Yeah. And, the, and the great Artie Lang, may he possibly rest in peace, who knows who. Is he dead? No, he's still around. He's on, he's on the verge. He has he has a podcast of his own, too. Well, he does that with, uh, uh, what is it? The Hurts. one from uh, Andy. Opie and oh, Anthony. Oh, I, Anthony. Thought he, I thought he was, like, a regular on Howard. He was, he, he, but, he's done some but now um, when Anthony from Opie and Anthony went ahead to his own thing, uh, now he's doing that with Anthony. He did some major okay. movie recently, too. I'm not sure what, what, but I saw him on a call sheet for something. Hmm. Don't know. I don't know. Crickets. We can only know yeah. so much here. You know, we're, we're still experimental. But all right. Uh, speaking of films, actually, um, the, 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 the 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 beaten potatoes that we wanted to get to today, obviously, is the Oscars because yes. they're going to be coming up uh, next week, March fourth, which is also on the same day in which you can find me at the Brightside Tavern Film Festival here in Jersey, second, uh, third, and fourth of next week. Uh, please get your tickets at brightsidetavernfilmfestival.com. You'll find all three of us, I think. Probably. Yeah, yeah well, I'll probably be there. Well, I mean, I definitely have to be there Sunday. I don't know which day you guys are both going. So. Sunday for me. Sunday I, for you? You know what? Screw it. I'm, this isn't sponsorship, so I'll say this anyway. For anyone who is usually not doesn't want to go to Brightside because of parking, I'm just going to point out there is a parking lot right there. Yeah. You just have to look for it. Street parking is not bad, but that parking lot, you're the one across the street, right? Yeah, I didn't know it was there. That, that That's why I was like, you for the longest the time, it's like, I'm that, sorry, I Chris, I don't limits. think I'm going to show up. I thought that was off limits. Uh, no, you can get through right there. There's an entrance right over there. Yeah. No, I thought it was like, it was like a for some office building or something. No, no, know, no. Park it, at your own risk. It's a thing. strip mall. It, there, it's a uh, Asian food market there, and then a few other little stores. Interesting. And then further on, in McDonald's. That's about it. Yep. Hmm. Would you bring McDonald's into the bright side? Right? Ba, ba, ba. Tommy would. <laughs> yeah, no, he would love that. But okay, so yeah, if you want to go ahead and meet any of us live, talk, gab, network, bring your headshot resume like he would do. Yeah. Uh, just go bring to... money. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just go ahead, uh, buy tickets at uh, brightsidetavernfilmfestival.com. Uh, short I am in uh, Healing Heroes will be the first bro- block I believe on that Sunday so do come by check that out but 
wait, wait, oh. wait. Let's let's stop on that subject for a while bit because what? you uh, you're starring in that movie. You want to talk a little bit about it? Uh, Healing Heroes? Yes. Uh, I can. I mean, it's not necessarily like my. You know, you're film a guest person. on this show. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a guest, so as opposed to the actual part of the host. Ouch, man. That, that means I'm going to be kicked off later or something. Oh, I see. You're going to replace me with him. That way you have two podcasts. <laughs> I, I see. I see how this racket how it goes. Begins. <laughs> yeah, you bastard, man. But yeah, um, I'm going to be uh, in one of the shorts. Um, it's called Healing Heroes. Uh, it was produced and directed by a friend, uh, Christopher Orangio. I believe I'm saying that name right. If uh, you don't, if He'll let me know, I'm sure. But and uh, basically, it's about a psychologist who helps superheroes uh, handle their issues. Um, I am one of the two superheroes known as uh, Captain Cornelius, uh, who is basically the backstory is he was uh, one of the first superheroes coming out in this world, uh, early two thousands, and uh, he was you know a big deal, pretty much just one of those you know punch and kick kind of guys, you know. Got his own television show, lots of marketing, toys, stuff like that. And then his partner dies. He deeply goes into a depression. And that cuts to where you see him in the show, where he's meeting up with the doctor that he knew from all that time. There is another superhero involved, uh, Ganja Girl, who <laughs> is uh, played by uh, Wakandi, who is, you know, she's awesome in it. You know, nice little, uh, you know, spacey uh performance i would say uh, which goes perfectly with the character and yeah it was basically going to be part of a series so we have it now as an independent short on its own uh hope people will come out and see it and actually the short itself i and christopher are all nominated uh mm-hmm. in the film festival this year so they'll have to go represent for them uh, and hopefully anybody that comes out and sees the show or buys a ticket and sees the show uh, even though you can possibly find it for free someplace somewhere else, but I'm not gonna tell you where. So you have to go. <laughs> if you really want to, if you're that desperate, you better pay that freaking money. But yeah, go ahead, come by, see it, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. Oh, uh, definitely wish you the best on yeah. that. Yes, thank you. I, I I have very little hope, but then again, it's uh, CJ uh, running know. the whole thing. So uh, I mean, he he Did, usually has a good eye uh, for talent. Are, are you saying you're bribing CJ? I am not bribing CJ in any way, shape, or form that he knows of. But <laughs> he's, bribed, I, he's using an intermediary in this. Yes, case, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's a guy with a thing, hmm. but I'm not gonna say who the guy is or what the thing is. Fill off the back of a truck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But, okay, so even though that's happening that same day, obviously the Oscars is also happening later on that evening. And as I expressed in the last episode, we were going to go ahead and give our predictions for the Oscars, uh, since we are film people here. Now, the reason I mentioned this with uh, Scott on the show, now, you guys just had your last episode this past uh, Wednesday, Thursday, around the middle of the week. Yes. And uh, I had was watching, and you guys had your own <laughs> little trivia contest, and you were... Well, I mean, I guess maybe somebody was typing on behalf of you, looking for suggestions yeah, for some punishments. Jackass. Yeah, some someone I don't know who. Yeah, whoever that person may be. Decided to have an idea on this. Uh, and then there happened to have been a suggestion that was given that apparently you guys are taking up. I don't know who gave it, but you know, I can't believe Brian, R- sorry, Robin never met you, and she was protecting you, you dirty son of a. Yeah, <laughs> th- th- that's how women are with me, but. Um, Apparently, there was a suggestion now that the loser from that competition now has to go ahead and read the a selected excerpt from Fifty Shades of Grey in a candlelit environment on your next episode. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Uh, the copyright information. Copyright 2014. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Um, so I only felt it was fair that with you and me talking the Oscars that we'd go ahead, make our predictions, and then the loser of whoever makes these predictions... Scott will suggest the punishment for that person. Only yes. to be fair. Yes, I think that's very, very kind of you. I appreciate you that. Know, you, who uh, by no means whatsoever was responsible for the fact that uh, <laughs> I, the loser, have to read an excerpt from Fifty Shades of Grey in my most sultry voice with a smoking jacket, a pipe, and very likely a candle. So that's going to happen. None whatsoever. No. I made that suggestion before the winner and loser was ever determined. So it could have that, easily been that, JT. That is true. That is true. You did. <laughs> All right. But again, if it was JT, you wouldn't be saying anything. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty much like he fired a bullet at me and it hit you instead. Yeah, bro. <laughs> because you're just so reflective. Un- unfriendly fire here. Yes. Yeah. Ah, my arm. I do think, like I said, I do think you got an easier set of questions on that. It's so bad. <laughs> wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. 
I know he's he's playing the he's playing the violin right now. He's being so delicate with it. That's why you can't hear it. But uh, yes, so we have decided, and by we I mean me, yes. um, that the loser will have to get down on his knees. Don't get your heads in a gutter here, um, and then bow to the winner, a la you know basically Wayne Wayne's World towards Alice Cooper, and declare himself not worthy. Okay, because he is a loser schlub who is unable to predict the number of winners in the Oscars, and therefore is inferior to the person that wins. Does that have to be verbatim? Well, like everything you just said. I uh, hope not. I'm not going to remember here's, all that. Okay, yeah, here's, I was about to say. You know what? Let me, tweak, let me tweak this a little bit. Can I just say we're not worthy? I'm not worthy. <laughs> wow, you're automatically predicting yourself. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it has to be a 15-second speech about why, they're, why they are inferior. Oh, okay. So for 15 seconds, just go and, right and into it. And it doesn't have to necessarily be about the Oscars. It can be about, you know, penis size or whatever you want to talk about, you know. But it has to be something declaring your general inferiority as a soundbite that the other person can use later against you if they ever chose to. Ooh. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. All well, right. it's not like, like we're going to play it on the next podcast or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well. I, I, I will come up with an idea for you. You told me to, and I will do it. Okay, as an Irishman, I take some offense to that, but yes, okay, I, so we will be this doing... Was, this wasn't really Irish, more like an evil person, but... um. It's all like the little leprechaun from Well, you know what, we want to... It's like burning them all, you know. I, but you know what, a little Irish in there. Well, for Christ's sake, I'm looking at Link on the screen there. Tell me he's not Irish. Not with that <laughs> head. Whatever that head is, that's uh, Pepe. So mm. what? That's Pepe the Frog. You, you can't tell the head. The, oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah. with those bulging eyes, looking like tits on Mrs. Big Head from Rocco's Modern Life. As what? As nobody right now has any reference except for the three of us actually looking at the screen. I know it's not my computer. I'm not saying anything so. else about that. All right, so All right. going straight into the nominations itself. LZ. Now, now we have decided we are going with uh, seven categories yes. specifically. Uh, we're going best film, best director, best actor and supporting actor, best actress and supporting actress, and the seventh one will be. Uh, was that short or something, wasn't it? We were originally going to do short film, and I think then we co- took a quick look, realized that was not a good idea. Because none reasons. of us had even watched any of them. Well, that wasn't the reason, but there were reasons. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, it was uh, original song. Original song, okay, yeah. You're not going to do adapted screenplay, because I would, I would vote for Disaster Artist on that. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, uh, yeah, Disaster Artist, unfortunately, just got shanghai for, yeah, it, 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 for it, certain it, reasons. But y- yet the Deuce is still in season two. Yeah, well, I mean that's something. Well, it's that's HBO. HBO. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not television. It's, not it's HBO. Every time I like, I, I walk past their building every week, but uh, or every week, every day. Which uh, building? And HBO. Okay. I thought you were going like. No, I really didn't have anything else to add to that. It's just, just like I see the building. Yeah, I do this. <laughs> Yay, man! <Yeah. laughs> it's like walking, I, walking by that curved building that you know Martha Stewart's in somewhere. Just, if it helps anyone else, when I talk and you just want to smack me, don't worry. I want to smack myself, too. We're gonna, we'll add a sound clip. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll be using that for when you lose. <laughs> oh, I, I keep meaning, like, uh, there, we have a gift somewhere of uh, Ryan just smacking someone. I got to nice. I got, I got to build that into the Oh, yeah, that, that, that scene. I like that scene. It, it's, a, it's a good gift. I, I have, probably have it on my phone. I can probably yeah, just send it to you. Yeah, send it to me. Last I forget where sound it is. editing? Hmm. Yes. It did. Hmm. All right, well. So. Let's go straight to the nominations here, because uh, obviously we've eaten up a good portion Let's of your time. Let's go to the nominees. So, the nominees for original song are Mighty River from Mudbound, I believe written by Mary J. Blige, uh, Mystery of Love from Call Me By Your Name uh, by Seth John Stevens, Remember Me from Coco, uh, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, uh, Stand Up For Something from Marshall, uh, Diane Warren, and Common, uh, former Oscar winner. And This Is Me, from The Greatest Showman, uh, Benj uh, Basic, and Justin Paul. I should also point out that I have seen none of the movies this <laughs> 2017. All the movies wheel. of 2017. He's using a giant So I'd be guessing with all <laughs> these, just based on everything I've heard through social media. And I've actually seen half of these films, so I may have a personal bias towards the films that I've actually had some reference to, but I will acknowledge if something is far superior regardless. So you can take your bets now on who's probably going to win this. 
All right, so I am going... Well, you know, I'll let you choose first. All right. Um, Even though there's probably, like, two favorites that are going to be in here, and that's going to be Remember Me and This Is Me, uh, my personal choice is going to be Remember Me, because if you look at the song, if you look at the lyrics, it perfectly expresses the movie in its entirety. It is a perfect film to encapsulate everything about music, and so you should have a song that encapsulates everything about that movie, and that's what Remember Me really does. Nothing against This Is Me. Uh, it's not my favorite song of The Greatest Showman. Uh, that would probably be, um, what, what was it? It was uh, From Now On, when they play in the bar. That that just pumps for me. That, I, I, that rouses me up. This Is Me is a good song, but they've been playing that song ever since the commercials and the trailers came out. So it's, yep. it's kind of run its course. We, we get the point of it, <laughs> but I do feel there are better songs in the film itself. Cool. By the way, I'm going to pick This Is Me by The Greatest Show. Of course you would. Of course you are. You bastard. It's promoted like hell. It's it's a freaking musical that is nominated for multiple awards. Even Amazon promoted it. So I'm going to say This Is Me. Damn you all. That's fine. You want to count out Pixar and Disney? That's yes. fine by you. That's that's okay. I, I wouldn't necessarily hedge I that. I always way. pick Disney until the richest man in the world. <laughs> all right. So that's our tally for right now. You've right. got This Is Me. I've got Remember Me. All about me. <laughs> yes, Directing. No, no egos here. Directing. All right. So for Best Director, we are going with uh, Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan. Uh, Get Out has Jordan Peele. Lady Bird has Greta Gerwig. Phantom Thread has Paul Thomas Anderson. And The Shape of Water has Guillermo del Toro. Now, JT, what are you going to pick on this one? Again, I've seen none of these movies. Right. Even though I do actually want to see Get Out and uh, The Shape of Water is on my list. Which surprised me you haven't even seen Get Out. Because that's like that was like back around this time we last ha- year. This is episode nine. We have had so many movie conversations. Yeah. By now, you are not surprised I have not seen something? Point taken. But <laughs> Almost be- our running gag for every episode is pretty much, I've seen this. What's your opinion, JT? I didn't see it. <laughs> so, how about that life of pie? Uh, I, I like pie. <laughs> I, I eat it, but... <laughs> All right. Uh, my choice is going to be Ladybird. Uh, Greta Gerwig. Any reason? Uh, again, I'm just going by things I'm looking at. It looks like that uh, that film that the Academy Awards likes. It is a new director. Uh, now, I don't know, actually, if, if she's been around doing a lot of things, but this is probably one of the biggest things that she's done. I believe it's a directorial debut. Uh, she's obviously acted uh, beforehand. Uh, I was trying to think... Uh, if there's any particular roles that stand out that I would have seen her in. Because I mean, she's got one of those looks where it's like, okay, cute blonde, but then outside of that, it's just it's washing over me. Uh, Scott, anything comes to your mind when you think Greta Gerwig? Anything pop up? Uh, I think, honestly, she's got a really good shot. I think when it comes right down to it, it'll either be her or it's going to be Jordan Peele. Really? You're, th- you're think thinking so. Jordan Peele? I think so. Right. I mean, I know it's a, it's a rookie thing going on there, yeah. but... I, think I, I only to... see Jordan Peele if they go like the the Gladiator route, like mm. sort of me for me. Like uh, Gladiator is that film, like yeah, you shouldn't have won any Academy Awards, and then it won Best Picture. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Get Out is it's a good movie, but it doesn't feel like an Academy Award movie. I know, but, but I just gotta, well, I, it's it's a, it's a personal gut I think feeling. Yeah, like I think it's one of those things where it's like you have somebody who's predominantly known for comedy. This is their first directorial debut. It's Agreed, something definitely in more of a. A dramatic sense, even though there is some humor spiced into it, but you're looking at something that's definitely um, against the pale in comparison to what he's known for. So for him to be actually come up with something like that and it be good, you know, speaks volumes. However, my pick is going to be Guillermo del Toro mm. for Shape of Water, Just simply because as great as it is to actually have some new blood mixed in with the old blood, which you see with Nolan and Anderson and people like that. Guillermo has worked so hard to get to having a movie of this caliber. You know, I mean, if you look at his body of work, yeah, the the creature feature films of Hellboy and stuff mm-hmm. like that, they're all good. Pan's Labyrinth was visually a marvel. But story-wise, 
Like, you could go ahead and take the creature stuff out. That's pretty much just, like, his, you know, that's his thing. Well, he's had that for years. I think just no one's really noticed till now because he had Kronos at the beginning of his career, mm-hmm. which is very similar to in a way to The Shape of Water. And he had another one a few years ago uh, about a ghost boy, I believe. I can't remember what the name of it was. A ghost boy? Yeah. Not Crimson Peak, because, I mean, there's ghosts in that. But That was weird. Uh, it was weird. I and... saw that on a date with a girl. Uh, it, it was a decent Sounds date like a good date film. She really wanted it's, to see it. It's she really not. Wanted... It is not. <laughs> Speaking of which, not to go off topic. Uh, but we do. Anyone ever see our red uh, Bridge of Terabithia? No. No. I, I know of it. It was like... Um, it was based off a book. Yeah, and... movie came out uh, back in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. I it they built it as a fantasy feature. It was not a fantasy feature. I read it when I was in third uh, seventh grade. It is a very tragic tale, actually. Mm-hmm. And I had a girlfriend who thought it was like just like Chronicles of Nardia. So I was like, <laughs> let's go see that. It's like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then at the end of it, I'm like, why? <laughs> but those are some of the best stories. Well, some of the stories where you think it's one thing simply based upon like the the look of it or the feel of it. But then when you actually go ahead and experience it, it gives you something completely different. It did, but sometimes it doesn't work. And it, it it's probably what killed it, too, because people were going expecting a fantasy and it was just a drama it there was really no fantasy aspect it was kids with imaginations Mm -hmm. and they would play in the woods and they decided to do cg animation of their creatures which were imaginary and and then the rest of it was like again chronicles of narnia came out the same exact time so they Mm -hmm. were trying to just jump off of that right and that's fine there's definitely times when that misfires look at mother you know mother was being touted around as like a horror movie and before you know it, you get, like, uh, an exposition on the book of Genesis. You know, <laughs> it, 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 one thing can always lead to something completely off-skew. But for Guillermo, he has always been the kind of person that, you know, he wants to make certain movies, but then he has to have his own flair into it. Mm-hmm. The idea that this Abe Sapien-looking thing just happens to be the Guillermo del Toro flair, but you take that away and you replace it with something else of a similar situation... It's still a lovely romantic movie. Mm. And the fact that you have your two lead characters that can't even talk and everything is done through visual cues is so artistically beautiful in that respect. So I have to give it to him because if he doesn't win it for this, I can't imagine what he possibly could. But again, I've seen the movie. So. <laughs> anyway, Christian's supporting role. <laughs> Sorry, we got we got time scheduled here, boys. <laughs> I know, it's just, it was so good just seeing you, like, okay, you're going to let me blather on about something I've seen, and you're going to be like, I haven't seen it, so sure, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what he said. What he said. <laughs> what he said. Well, yeah. All right, so supporting e- actors. Or that line from uh, oh. My Cousin's Vinny, everything he just said is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Where the hell did you go to law school? <laughs> All right, so supporting actress, um, Mary J. Blige and but- Mudbound. Um, Allison, Buttbound? Mudbound. 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 <laughs> Sound like a second like you are going to say Buttbound. Buttbound. No, no, We've got to clog those with Buttbound. No, no. Mudbound is on Netflix. Uh, Buttbound is on Skinflix. So, <laughs> oh, my. Allison Janney in I, Tonya, Leslie Manville in Phantom Thread. Laurie Metcalf in Lady Bird. And Octavia Spencer in The Shape of Water. JT, what's your pick? Uh, you know what? We were uh, discussing this actually before the show, and we're kind of coming to our choices. Uh, I'm changing my mind from what I was going to pick earlier. Uh, And this might end up being a wash because I think uh, Ryan's going to go the same way with me. I'm going to say Laurie Metcalf. Yeah! That's exactly what I'm going to do because that's exactly what I was going to pick. But I have to say... You originally were going to go with Allison Janney, who yeah. arguably is the front runner because she did win it for the Golden Globes. But what is making you change your mind? Uh, any story involving Tanya Harding. <laughs> so what? You're not giving uh, the story of Tanya Harding credit because it's a story about Tanya Harding? Because Tanya yes. Harding did celebrity boxing later on. Yes, <laughs> uh, and, a, and a porn film. I <laughs> grew up in the age of. Uh, Christine uh, Kerrigan and uh, Nancy, Tanya, Kerrigan. Na- Nancy Kerrigan, that's it, and Tanya Harding. And I just remember it being the most redneck, <laughs> awful yeah. story I've ever seen. That, that's, I mean, I from cannot, what I've seen I cannot film. respect anything involving her. 
Okay, so it's a personal bias based upon the subject matter. Pretty much. So you're Tanya sist. Yes. Yeah. You're anti Tanya. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but why Laurie Metcalf as opposed to any of the other options? I'm still going with uh, Lady Bird. Like I said, I haven't really watched any of these films, but I have a feeling Lady Bird is going to be a film that's going to probably capture some of the the Oscar nominations just from the feelings I'm getting social media wise. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I've actually with Phantom Fair, the only reason I'm not going too much because from what I've heard from people, a lot of people don't seem to like it. Seems to be the only reason people are kind of going towards it is more because Daniel Day Lewis is saying this is his last film. Mm. Yeah. Outside that, it doesn't sound like that many people are excited about this film. Yeah. That's probably part of the problem. It's more of the marketing issue of that film, as opposed to anything that actually has to deal with the plot and the storytelling of the film. Um, as for someone who has seen Lady Bird, I really <laughs> enjoyed the film. I mean, yeah, it's a coming of age film. It's a, but there's a certain pacing to it. There's a certain vibe to it. And when you look at a character like Laurie Metcalf, and the mother that she plays in this role, it harkened back to my childhood and having to deal with my mom. And it was so relative in that regards. It, it, it's one of those things where you see someone who's brutal and yet kind, um, hurting and yet fierce. It, it was a balancing act between where she had to be in all aspects, uh, dealing with uh, Sosha Ronan's character. So I... I mean, there may be a personal bias just because of my own personal feelings and having to deal with somebody that was really like that when I was young. I but. wanted to win just because the last thing I remember her from is Norm, and she deserves better than that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Such burn. Such burn. All right. So This uh, is why I don't work in the industry. I just piss <laughs> everyone off. So it'll be a watch of that one, Lori Metcalf. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page at least for one of these, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, now, best supporting actor, we may differ. Uh, yeah. Let's see, we got uh, Willem Dafoe in the Florida Project. Woody Harrelson. Who? Who? No, I was just gonna say, uh, Ryan's looking on his phone. I'm looking on the website on my computer. I don't know if you're getting the pictures of these people, but I just like the fact that Willem Dafoe looks like. Uh, <laughs> uh, crap! Now I can't think of the guy's name. No, no, he just looks like crap. You know? <laughs> that, oh, that too. Yeah, he the man. He looks like help. a man who'll kill Spider Man. Yes, like, like some type the, of goblin. Or at least slap on the back of his head as he's walking as he's going by. <laughs> <laughs> and mind you, this is a man that's done, like, you know, very explicit sexual scenes for people. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I can't see that, and I refuse to. <laughs> you know, you guys are all going to hate me for this, but I, among the films I've never seen is Boondock Saints. <gasps> and, oh, but that, I, hold on, i got to drink of water. Doing you better not way. spit this water on my equipment. Don't. Say it one more don't. time. Say it one more time. Say it one more time. Swallow. Spit take. Swallow it. Swallow it all. That's that's what he said. <laughs> it sounds so dirty when you say that. <laughs> I want you to swallow it. Oh. Say it like Vince McMahon. <laughs> swallow it. Damn it. Vince, I'm uh, creating the XFL again, man. <laughs> I feel so clean. clean. Hello, Bob. I'm Marty. <laughs> well, where's Bob? <laughs> Okay, so... <laughs> Did he... Uh, oh, God, he's joking over here. Uh, well, he made me swallow so much. <laughs> That's what he said. Don't choke on it. I'm, I'm a little sad that we have only the audio for this and we need the video for context, but still. <laughs> All anyway. right. All right, so we have Goblin from Florida Project. Speaking of choking, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> oh, ouch. Okay. Actually, I was saying it because his name is Woody, but... Okay. Oh, okay. okay. I was thought you know the man's acting prowess. Uh, Woody Harrelson from Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water. Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World. And Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. So right Ooh. then, right then and there, you've got Ebbing, Missouri, uh, two out of the five. So yeah. mm -hmm. odds are in favor for that. The odds is ever in your favor. Yes. Um, which is a reference from Hunger Games, which yeah. means it's Woody Harrelson. <laughs> Uh, is that who you're going with? Are you going with Woody? I'm going to go with Woody Harrelson. You know, uh, unfortunately, when I see Woody, I think of the guy from uh, Cheers in the 80s and a whole bunch of really shitty films in the 90s. Some of them with Wesley Snipes. Yes. yes. <laughs> though I, I, I like King, one, Kingpin is still one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm just going to say uh, well, that. I don't that, care. Well, that's the Farrelly brothers in their prime, so yeah, that's always good. But uh, in the last few years, he's become a much, much better actor and a... Again, I haven't seen this film, but I, I'm assuming he 
Nail, he nailed it. <laughs> I, I would hope so, too. Of all these, the only one I would have seen would have been Richard Jenkins. And as good of a movie as Shape of Water is, I don't feel that his role really brought too much. So I'm going to go ahead from personal feelings, and I'm going to take the, um, the favorite bet, which would be Sam Rockwell, mm. since he won it at the Golden Globes. Uh, any thoughts on that, Scott? Since uh, obviously, no. I don't know if you've seen any of the Florida Project or all the money in the I world, but these yet. are the only times these ones are yeah. really getting nominated. I'm just going to be different. Go Willem Dafoe. You're going to go with the Goblin? Yes. Okay. Because no one will. Well, because look at him. I know. <laughs> but you know what? I like the underdog. Well, I mean, the Florida Project, that was one of the... Isn't that a Netflix film or an Amazon I film? I think it was one of the two, yeah. Yeah, I know Mudbound is Netflix. Yeah. You could actually go on Netflix and watch that now. You, you uh, know, uh, I can't think of his name at the moment, the guy who owns Netflix, uh, Bezos. Yes. He is, Oh, that's Amazon. Yeah, he's... Uh, uh, what did I say? Did I say Google? No, you said Netflix. Oh, Netflix. I don't know why I said Netflix. You wouldn't have that much money <laughs> from Netflix. Uh, he is pet. trying to really ramp up Amazon. He is looking mm-hmm. to like kind of kill the competition. Mm-hmm. Th- though that's that's him in every uh, business at some point. He'll try to put us out of business at some <laughs> point. And we don't do shit. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he paid off a whole bunch of people just for that to win. I don't think Christopher <laughs> Plummer can take because it's too much uh, clout. It's too much darkness surrounding that film. Yeah, because of the yeah. whole Kevin yeah, Spacey I don't thing. Think, I think the nomination is as far as that's going to go. Not to yeah. mention, I mean, the role was good, but I think it's more the idea that he was able to go into the role so quickly and still make it look true, good. True. Whereas the film itself is kind of subpar from what I hear. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things like you have a great performance in a eh, okay movie. Uh, whereas something like, say, uh, Three Bobos Outside Ebbing, people are critically mm-hmm. talking about it. So if you go ahead and you're nominated from something like that and you win already... I think that just, you know, that helps mm-hmm. the clout. But I don't know. It may be a surprise, but obviously, like I said, since it's already got two of the five nominations, people are just liking the cast for that one. Sure. Now, as for main Act- actors... Well, uh, the, no, well yeah, uh, actress in a leading role. You want to go actress first? Okay. Yeah, just because that's what I'm looking at. All right, so <laughs> we got Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water, Frances McDormand in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Margot Robbie and I, Tanya, which we already know JT's not going to pick. Uh, <laughs> Saoirse Ronan in Lady Bird. And Meryl Streep, the Queen, in The Post. Which uh, she's, I don't think she's going to win. No, so. I don't think so. Not this uh, year. I go Margot Robbie. Oh, against JT. Go right. a little bit on Dark Horse on this one. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm picking uh, Frances McDormand. Hmm. Um, any reason why Frances? Uh, I think she's a good actress. And uh, I think there was a lot of uh, buzz originally with the... Uh, Three billboards, so I think uh, there's a very good chance for her here. All right, and I just uh, think I Tanya is going to walk away with something somewhere. So you think it's going to be at least that? Yeah, maybe else. maybe they'll walk away with a knee. Oh, uh, I see what you did there. Oh, the cut below the belt. All right, uh, me, I'm going Sally Hawkins. Uh, again, Shape of Water. It helps that I saw that one as opposed to some of the other ones, but it's the only one on here where the actress didn't even have to speak a word. You know, everything mm-hmm. was nonverbal, like I said earlier. So for her to be able to relay that kind of romance and that kind of passion without saying anything, that in itself has to be a cut above everything else. So hopefully, uh, plus I like her in Paddington, so she's also good there. <laughs> All right. Actor in a lead role. I'm going to let you take on this because I'm going to butcher some names. You mean the way I've been doing for all the other ones? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, we got uh, Timothy Chalamet or... Clamet or Clamet. We've got the guy with the French name and Call Me By Your Name. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread. Daniel Kalua in Get Out. Gary Oldman in The Darkest Hour. And Denzel Washington in Roman J. Israel Esquire, which I think was just kind of like shoehorned in there. Uh, I barely know anything about It's like, you're Denzel L. Washington. Here's a nomination. Right, we, we need a guy, which, you know... We'll see you at the Oscars. I mean, I know, obviously... Your seat will be ready. For it me. wasn't going to be Dan Stevens for Beauty and the Beast. It wasn't going to be Hugh Jackman for Logan, but... You know, I, I still, I, I feel bad that Denzel's kind of just getting thrown in there. I mean, I was fine with just being, having Daniel Kaluuya in there if they needed somebody to, you know, mix it up. Because, I mean, for a premier role like that, he really came out well. But my pick is going to have to be Daniel Day-Lewis simply because, yeah, they've been saying this is going to be his final role. And mm. politics being what they are with the Oscars, regardless of what new people they have uh, as the judging committee, it, they're they're going to have to go with something like this. They're going to have to stick with the old guard. You know, uh, the thing with me, though, I've not heard too many po- people talk about Daniel Day-Lewis, 
but I've heard a ton of uh, talk about Gary Ullman and his performance mm-hmm. in The Darkest Hour. Mm-hmm. I've not seen The Darkest Hour yet, but it's one of the movies I want to see. It's a movie that came out near the end of the of the year, so it's definitely Oscar bait. And there, I have to go with Gary Ullman, just, right. just based on... I can't say I've seen the movie in its entirety. I've seen bits and pieces. But, yeah, for a Winston Churchill, he's done a good Winston Churchill. But Winston Churchill is also one of those characters that everyone can do their own Winston Churchill to some degree. You know, you, you hear enough about the man, you know enough about his mannerisms, his face, his cigar chomping, all of it. Everyone has their own version of that. His version is a good version. But it's also really not too much of a stretch of an imagination mm-hmm. for an actor to be able to do someone like that. Um, so, I mean, that, I would love to give him the credit for it, but I'm just feeling like it could have possibly been a lot of other people take up this role in this film, and it probably would have been good. But something like Daniel Day-Lewis, I mean, he has always been one of those people that specifically picks out what he wants to do. He never mm-hmm. just takes anything uh, for a paycheck. I thought he was boring as hell in April Lincoln. I'm gonna say it. Who's Abra Lincoln? I don't know who Abraham Abra Lincoln. Abra Lincoln. Uh, Abra Lincoln. That, that's I like, say words. Sometimes they make sense. It's one of those independent <laughs> short films. I okay, guess. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll see I, it at the Brightside Tavern Film Festival this coming weekend. <laughs> 141 Bright Street, Jersey City, New Jersey. <laughs> Bring money. If you, if you find Abra Lincoln, you let us know. We actually want to watch it. <laughs> if I'm Prince Albert, put him back. <laughs> Um, okay, so that only leaves Best Picture, as we're rounding out the episode here. And of the nine nominees, we have Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And I'm just realizing that was all alphabetical order, so I didn't even realize that until now. I thought it was just like, okay, it sounded nice. But... I'm going to go to Scott real, real quick. Scott, of all these films, um, I'm, whether or not you've seen them. This isn't which, uh, you... uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. You don't get like a call. Yeah, I don't get a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But I, I mean, he's, I, I he's feel like it's line. been back and forth, and Scott just pretty much yeah. been, you know, no. chilling here on the phone. I don't want to necessarily ostracize him. But I'm being you... included. Yay! <laughs> no. Um... I mean, you are an executioner to an extent. You're the one giving the punishment yes. to us. But... Do you have any stake in any of that? I would have to go, honestly. If I had my my picks on this, I would say Darkest Hour to Lazy or Lady Bird. Lazy Bird. Lazy Bird. Yeah. Lazy Bird. Lazy, Lazy Bird, Bird yeah. don't get no eyes. Lazy Bird ain't going to It just stays in the nest. It don't fly. No <laughs> uh, I would have to probably go with one of those two. I think it's just the period thing is very in right now. Um, Gary Oldman mentioned Laurie Metcalf before. I think on that, I think it's going to carry. I'm going to go with uh, Oscar bait. I mean, uh, Darkest Hour. Oscar bait. <laughs> so, so, so even saying that in itself, you're already recognizing the kind of film that it is. And it was just put out there for the Oscars rather than any for its art, possible artistic merit. Yes. <laughs> I also point out that I don't really have too much respect for the Oscars because I think they just hand off awards to who they uh, they feel uh, is the most politically in at that point. Oh, and by the way, for the record, Lady Bird, I do, do consider actually be period because it is you know what 15 years 16 years, it takes place in the it was 90s or, 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 yeah 90s 2000s i think something like that. yeah yeah something like yeah. that something that basically while feels like yesterday does technically qualify as a period piece now because, yeah. because we're old well what is it anything that's like uh, a decade older or older is that what it is i okay. think it's a decade or more this way it's like anything uh, that basically cbs yeah. cbs fm the oldie station now plays <laughs> dude i heard gwen stefani on there the other day Oh, wow. on CBS FM, the oldie station in New York. Yeah, I've heard Gwen Stefani. I heard Train on there. Well, the nineties uh, was twenty years ago. I heard Counting Crows, uh, Pave Paradise, put up par- a parking lot. That was two thousand two. Well, I remember years ago when TNT used to sit, talk about how they have the new classics and they show Back to the Future all the time. Mm-hmm. At this point, Back to the Future is a classic classic. Well, it's thirty three years at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's and it's just oh my god, I feel old. I have a feeling feel Stranger Things 3 is going to be referencing Back to the Future somehow. More than likely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're going to 85. Well, they? yeah, because they're, they're pushing ahead 85. So they did with Ghostbusters 84. Plus, it's probably going to center more in the school, by the yeah. looks of it, by the way the series ended. So. But it doesn't involve Will as much. No. He's not, the, he's not basically dealing with all the crap he dealt with the first two seasons. 
I'll, I'll ask you this, and, and not to go into any type of age thing or anything like that, but I was born like 85, so I didn't relate to uh, too much of Stranger Things, but you were you were actually their age. I'm a, Yeah, well, they, their characters are a few years older than I am. I think if I did the math right, they're about four years older. But yeah, it's one of those things that I remember all that. You know, I remember playing like G.I. Joe, you know, versus Cobra Commander. You know, on the playground and everything. Yeah, I was Cobra, you know, with Cobra because they were blue and blue is an awesome color. In my, you know, like seven-year-old mind, this is what made sense. Uh, Ghostbusters, yeah, I mean, kids, you know, kids dressed up like that. Kids dressed up like He-Man. A lot of the stuff, one of the things I thought was clever about Stranger Things is that while they dealt with the nostalgia, they didn't beat your head over with it. It was just there, mm-hmm. you know, so the old, the old rotary phone. I remember that. You know, you look at the Radio Shack that they used in season two, and you look at the technology, you remember that. So it worked from that level where it didn't try too hard to make it too obvious. It was just there, you either saw it or you didn't. And that was what I thought was clever about it. But yeah, they were very accurate with a lot of that. Ghostbusters, when that came out, was huge. But I, I'm a little bit too young for Ghostbusters necessarily because I was, I was eight at the time. You know, and Ghostbusters admittedly being that, you know, was a little bit geared slightly to people a little bit older. Okay. Real Ghostbusters, the cartoon, mm. that was right in our wheelhouse. You know, even even the filmation Ghostbusters. You know, the one... Um, let's go. Ghostbusters, let's, let's go. go. Let's go. With the freaking gorilla. Yes. Which was based off of the live action show. Which is the original, original Ghostbusters. Yes. yes. That's why the cartoon became the real Ghostbusters, which really wasn't. They were the remake Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's that was actually pretty accurate on that. And it was neat to see a lot of the stuff. But again, it's more of an Easter egg kind of a thing as opposed to being blatantly in your face, like throwing a Rubik's Cube right here in front of you. And that's where I think it worked. But yeah, now, I'm a, like I said, I'm a little too young. 85 would be a lot better for me, I think, for that. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, 85 in Indiana, I can't say for sure on that one. But uh, yeah, they'll probably cover, I would say, Back to the Future will be on there. What, was uh, that big thing for, like, it's one of my favorite Back movies Back to the Future is huge then. Oh, wow, is that ever huge? You know, everybody had the toys. Everybody had all that stuff. You know, the, 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 you know people were dressing like that for Halloween. Really? Yeah, it was big. Uh, I, that, I mean, I was born 1985, but that was still one of my... That, was, that yeah. is my favorite movie of all time. Because it was, you know, it was Alex Keaton and uh, Reverend Jim. Mm. <laughs> you know, and that's, that was it. It's like, you know, Reverend Jim playing Reverend Jim kind of a thing, you know. You know, Christopher Lloyd playing it. But it worked. And that's where I think, it, you know, that's where it really stuck. I will say that Star Wars, Return of the Jedi was still very strong at that point, too. Uh, I remember having Return of the Jedi toys. I had some board game where you had to beat Jabba the Hutt, but you needed, to get, you needed to get the Force power first and draw, like, a Force card in order to do it. So you play as Han Solo, who channels the Force to beat Jabba the Hutt, because board game rules, you know. Uh, but, yeah, no, I re- no that was, that was great. I love some of that stuff. You know, I think by virtue, if they had something for you, um, here's an example. Amazon had a show, uh, Glenn Close, I can't remember, it took place in 1998. Uh, they had a, a pilot episode, I think they've ordered it at this point, Glenn Close and somebody else. But 1998 is right in your wheelhouse, you're 13. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the cars, the toys, all that kind of stuff, you would work really well with that. Same as I would, more or less, for 1985. Mm-hmm. That's something I probably have to catch. Uh, it's I get... I want to get that experience because you will, uh, you will. <laughs> my 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 mother who grew up kind of in the seventies, uh, she was talking about how she would watch that seventies show and would like all the nostalgia of that mm-hmm. matched on to what she wore and what she did during that period of time. I didn't remember that, but I remember as a kid a lot of the smaller stuff that they would have on there. You know, uh, the little like you know the Electrolux, you know, or like the kitchen timers, things like that. Aquanet. I remember that stuff kind of. Uh, there was a show called Public Morals that was on TNT for a year. They had a lot of stuff from the late 60s. I remember that from the 70s because some people just had it. And it was neat to kind of see some of that because it still was relevant 10 years later. You know, in your case, you will definitely get it. Uh, a lot of TV shows now are, you know, in the 90s, in the old days of the 90s. So you're going to be seeing a lot of stuff you're going to recognize too where the kids are going to be playing Super Nintendo, you know, they're going to be watching, you know, Party of Five or playing with Tamagotchis. Well, you have that show now. You have Everything Sucks on Netflix. Okay, yeah, I've heard... Okay, that's, 90, that's the 90s? That's the 90s. All right, so maybe it'll worth looking for that standpoint. But the 90s were just recently, right? 
right? Well, right? a couple of years ago. <laughs> right, <laughs> please. Remember when they did uh, I Love the 80s and I Love the 90s and mm-hmm. all that, and they were talking about 99. It's like, oh, yeah, well, that's just five years ago. Like, why are we talking about that? Which is now 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what's your I, pick for oh, Best yeah. Picture? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, speaking, speaking of Best, best Picture... Uh, Sorry, I I, so, I I just so I see we're running out of time. Yeah, I, so. I know you gotta get somewhere. So uh, <laughs> real quick, just Shape of Water. I'm going with it. Uh, if Guillermo's going to get the director, hopefully he gets the film. And I mean, like I said, it's the most nominated film, so hopefully it's doing something right. Here's hoping that the creature feature gets a little love. Okay. okay. All right, so we got all our votes in. We're gonna. What, what, watch did, you, what did you pick? Uh, the Darkest Hour. Take dark, Darkest Hour, okay. So we'll see who wins and uh, who is not worthy. Yes. But that being said, that's going to lead us out of this episode. We will see you again in March with the results of this, with the video of whoever has to beg down to the other person. And we'll talk about whatever we can then, which will probably be mid-March since one of us is going to be out of the country later on that month. I'm not going to say who, but uh, obviously you'll figure that out later. Yeah, as, the, so, as the other one has a show by himself? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> For all I know. This, this is the... Uh, the other one has uh, access to the TSA. I might get that one stuck on there, over there. Ooh. <laughs> you... F- no, no, I'm not saying who. I'm not saying who. Uh, I'm not going to say you fucker. No, no. But anyway... Maybe you're saying that to throw him off. Of course, yes. Yes, ah. But all that being said, uh, again, we want to thank our one first guest, Scott Churchin, for coming on the show. Uh, definitely helping with the the color commentary, lo- letting us know a little bit more about the ins and outs here in Jersey and acting and everything that you're doing. Do you have anything to plug, anything to pitch besides obviously film yap? Well, um, I'm the only Scott Churchson in the country, so believe it or not, you Google me, you're gonna find me. Uh, but yeah, you can find me <clears throat> on like IMDb, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, whatever you know, random thing that shows up on the internet. It's funny because actually having the only person, being the only person with my name. It's weird what you crop up on. You know, it's like, oh, well, bootleg, you know, version of this movie on some Turkish server someplace. Um, I had some stuff go up on Amazon just recently um, after the outbreak, sorry, the outbreak. And it's funny how many illegal servers they pop up on <laughs> because the internet. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, Google me, find me. Uh, I was on America's Got Talent season 10, so you can find me on that Wikipedia if you want to see What'd what you I did you do on uh, America's Got Talent? I had uh, contortion. It was. Uh, my goal was never to make it on the show, or not really to go far with it, just to get there in the first place. So I accomplished the goal that I set out for, and it built a little weird, little quirky little fan base for me, so I'm grateful for that. But uh, no, it was never going to beat the 10-year-old kid who can sing opera, you know, or whatever, you know, that America's Got Talent's going to end up having to win that season. But yeah, that, uh, I fought at the end of Dark Knight Rises, uh, did some commercials for the New Year's Devil, CBS News, um, and some other random good stuff along the way, so... Well, sir, I really appreciate you coming on board today, and uh, I guess I'll be seeing you next week because we're going to have another show together. We do. We have a podcast called Film Yap. Uh, Yap is Y A P. It's capitalized because it stands for also. It stands for yet another podcast. And uh, yeah, we have celebrity guests on. We talk about whatever we feel like. Uh, my wife is producer slash overlord, as I usually call her in this case, <laughs> because she calls the shots and whatever she decides that you know whatever torture her husband's going to go through. You know, she will come up with it. And that's why I like Robin. Yeah, I know you do. You know, <laughs> And I have to go home with this woman. She's like, oh, you're going to basically do, be wearing a bunny suit in the next episode. Okay. Because, okay. In fairness. Yes, okay. That's fair. you got to clarify that one a bit. Now, the bet was the Patriots versus the Eagles. I had the Eagles. Who thought the Eagles were going to win? <laughs> so, wait. Are you going to be doing the bunny suit plus reading Fifty Shades? No, and I already did the bunny suit. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to be doing... No, the um, next bet will be uh, Bunny Suit plus... The... No, no, I'm, we're, we're going to probably do like a smoking jacket or something like that. It's like very Hugh Hefner-esque. And uh, yes, I will be, in my most sultry voice, we'll be finding a, an excerpt from Fifty Shades of Grey to which to narrate. Uh, so you definitely want to tune in for that one, especially yes. after Fifty Shades Free just came out in theaters. Who, so. who was the person who suggested that one? Um, That was somebody... Um, I don't know. He's a... Uh, <laughs> oh, it's that uh, that 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 big O crap guy. <clears throat> yeah. I, by the way, yes, it's Ryan who was kind enough to do that, which is why I came up with this one here. 
Thank right. you very much, Ryan's Ryan. Ryan's also taking his headsets off, so he doesn't realize how annoying that whistling is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> well, see, actually, what I can just do is I can just move his mic away from him. I'm just moving his mic away from him right now so he can't hear him. Um, Anything to distract away from me, fine. Exactly. But, uh, yes, Ryan was good enough to mention that, um, and some other people seem to have really liked the idea on the uh, Facebook Live. It's like, oh, that's good. But, yeah, no, I had some nasty questions on that thing. And, uh, yeah, I admit I lost, and I'm not happy about it. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was, yeah, no, no. And that being said. I won, so I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Having said that at this point. Yes, uh, JT, the winner, uh, where can people find you? You can find me, and I just put it all in one easy place for you, videogeekjt.com. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Real Deal, or you can just follow me at the Real Deal Entertainment Facebook page. And, of course, if you're listening to this uh, either via YouTube, Facebook, or SoundCloud, go ahead, subscribe, follow, like, do what you have to do. We just like a little recognition here and there, and if you could provide that for us, that would make our day. Just a, thing, just a little bit. Just Every little bit helps. In yes. So that, with that done... Well, we'll see you next month, and everyone, enjoy your Oscar parties next week. I will be doing so after the Brightside Tavern Film Festival on 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, and go ahead to BrightsideTavernFilmFestival.com to pick up your tickets. All right. Have a good one. Have a good one, guys. Good night.